finding like that there are certain tendencies of mind which are overwhelming. I've always found that there's certain inclinations towards self-disparagement or towards arrogance or towards fear or towards greed or towards doubt which tend to overwhelm the mind, right? We just find ourselves caught in in these these kinds of uh, mind states, mental states, emotional states which just tend to overwhelm us. So, so one of the one of the tasks that that we have to do is awaken in areas that we find it hard to be awake in, in areas of doubt or fear or aversion. To actually to actually know those as conditions, not as self, not as a personality. To actually know aversion or doubt as a movement of mind. And how can so how can we awaken to the whole process? Certainly, some sometimes it's easy to be awake, isn't it? And it's easy to be awake when everything's good. You know, everything maybe is going well, and samadhi's good, and the weather isn't too hot, and uh, one doesn't have to do things one doesn't want to do. But then, as soon as those conditions have been changed or altered, then, then we might fall apart. We might feel aversion. We might feel overwhelmed. And those are the areas, of course, where we can find our greatest freedom. That person, that situation where we have the most doubt, the most fear, the most aversion, is actually the area where we really need to work. And so, what I find very, very helpful is to um, say, if, if I'm in the monastery and there's someone who's, who I, I feel confused by, then I make a determination. I'm going to try to awaken to confusion. What does confusion feel like? How does it arise? How does it begin? How does, what, what is my particular uh, character in relationship to this other fellow, this other person? And the more I make those kinds of determinations, the more I find that mindfulness is stronger and stronger in those areas where it's, we're very weak. Yeah. Now, before I, I would make determinations that I'm not going to get confused. You know, I'd say I'm not. I'm, this guy's, this person is confusing. I'm not going to get confused. That, of course, doesn't work. Or I just would feel uh, doubt or regret or remorse. Oh, I got confused again. I shouldn't get confused. But to to make the process of awakening a continual thing, moment by moment, wakefulness, uh, to, and, and to the really profound things in the heart, to really deep things, is we, we can make determinations. We don't have to passively just hang out. We can, we can make suggestions to the mind. And I think this is what like Samasankapa is, it's to some extent. It's like, make suggestions to your own mind to help you awaken. Don't make suggestions to your mind to hate yourself. Those are, those are foolish suggestions but to actually make suggestions to awaken to the areas where you fall asleep. Where do you fall asleep? Morning sittings, yes. But, but where else? You know, what kind of emotional states tend to overwhelm? What kind of situations is, is mindfulness going? Where do you need to awaken? And to make suggestions to the mind to try to... Like the the, the uh, when when we come into monastic life, we we are denied a lot of the distractions that we're used to. We are denied the possibility of just going where we want to go, doing what we want to do. Yeah. Certainly, we want to practice Buddha Dhamma, uh, and we we can all leave freely if we want to. And there's that overriding. Um, yearning that we have, but 
then day by day we, we are constantly being frustrated, frustrated by situation. And then when we're frustrated or our desires aren't being satisfied, then of course the mind falls into critical patterns, finding fault, very negative. And the mind very easily, I think most, most people find that, the mind very easily falls into negative patterns. And because we, our culture hasn't developed a sense of devotion, at least my culture hadn't, uh, a, a sense of faith, eh? that the critical faculty can be the overriding mind state. It can always be overriding. And that makes this life horrible. That makes this life a very, very uh, depressing kind of situation. And certainly there are, there are things which, uh, which one can find fault with. But, but to take that and to bring that to maturity, and this is one of the things I found of, say, taking responsibility. When you take responsibility for something, the buck stops with you. And then you have to you have to create the solutions, don't you? You have to make the change. When when one is uh, when one doesn't have that responsibility, one can find fault, one can criticize. So to take responsibility for the monastery, to to, to kind of look around, to see like um, there is this, this 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 difficulty, there is this thing which is broken, there is this situation. Then one begins to feel a part of the sangha, huh? More and more, I think. I was in, uh, in Ujjanika's monastery um, and I was talking to about five Western monks there and one of the predicaments they have is they can, they can only get visas to practice the kind of strict Mahasi technique or to study the scriptures but they can't get visas to be bhikkhus although they're bhikkhus and, 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 and some of them were, were not complaining, but just mentioning the difficulty of that. Where they, they can't be a member of a community. They either have to just do this formal, formal technique, or they study the suttas. And and many of them felt that that that's not a lifestyle. And just to do a technique is not a lifestyle. You can't do that all the time. Or just to study suttas is not a lifestyle. And they felt a great lack, and and so many of them wanted to disrobe, which is a shame, really. Then we, we, have, we have this opportunity to develop a whole lifestyle. And a lifestyle isn't just a technique, is it? I mean, it's, it's not like the Buddha, the Buddha's, the, the Sangha is just watching your nose for 30 years. I think it's, it's, it's more than that. It's like, it's like being a member of a community. It's like developing sensitivity to the needs of the situation. And, and this is all a way of opening the heart to something beyond my own personal preferences, beyond my own... Um, self-disparagement or fears and that, and opening the heart in this, in this way which is beyond, uh, beyond me and mine. Self-surrender, opening the heart, sensitivity, all these things are, I think, very, very important issues which the Sangha does allow us, uh, it, it allows for that, it allows that to happen. So, so I find very, very helpful to make these, these suggestions to my own heart and mind. Like in the morning, I like to say with voice, speech, and I, I've been saying this with, with just reflecting on Lung Pa Cha and his teaching. I say with, with body, speech, and mind, I, I shall try to honor this teacher and his teaching. Uh, may my actions, speech, thoughts be things which Lung Pa would be proud of. Now, quite often it's not that. <laughs> I call, you know, I fail regularly. But just making that suggestion to the mind, making a noble suggestion to the mind, Bringing up nobility to the heart, bringing up a noble being is tremendously helpful because then all those degraded parts of our conditioning, all those kind of 
um, petty, selfish, childish things are seen much more clearly. Not that the not that I'm denying those, and not that I'm even trying to get rid of them, but when we bring something noble as a suggestion, as aspiration, samasankapa, to the heart, then we awaken more quickly, more easily, more profoundly to that which is childish and negative in the human heart, that which is, is, is not free. I quite often bring Ajahn Chah, I let him sit next to me, especially when I'm in a mood, <laughs> or... Uh, I, I find it very, very helpful to bring him into consciousness. If I have, a, if I have to make a decision, or I'm feeling uh, annoyed at someone or something, like that, I say, how would that Ajahn Chah react to this? Not that I'm trying to be Ajahn Chah, <laughs> that would be pretty stupid, but just to bring up a noble being. And this is, this is also the way of, of reflecting on Buddha, isn't it? Bhutanusati, like you bring up the qualities of Buddha, and bring up the qualities of, say, someone like Ajahn Chah, and then reflect on one's own behavior one's own being, one's own thoughts. Are they noble? These, these, uh, these disrobings of monks um, falling in love and all the rest of it, well, I've been through that, falling in love and all that as a monk, and, and I just, just would bring Ajahn Chah to consciousness rather than the woman. <laughs> Much more skillful. Not that I'm saying that marriage is wrong or, or leaving the Sangha is wrong, but I did, I did find that when I brought Ajahn Chah to consciousness, I'd say, Lompa, what should I do? There was no doubt. Look at, he said, look at that. Look at, look at the feeling of, of wanting intimacy. Look at the feeling of feeling lonely. Look at that as a sankara. Don't take it personally. So not, not to disparage monks that, that leave the road, but there is another way to do it. Uh, and and as, as human beings, as... as, as <coughs> As men in the Sangha, we quite often yearn for intimacy, don't we? Quite often we feel lonely, and, and, and the, the, we have a yearning for companionship with a female. And it's very natural, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but can that be seen as a Sankara? Can that be seen as a condition? Can that be known as a condition? So that we, uh, we, we, know, it, we know it inside out. And it can. And Lopo Chao went through that. Now, this is where faith is so important, isn't it? Yeah, it when, when the really difficult mind states come up, uh, when, 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 when one's heartstrings are being pulled or when one feels tremendous fear or terror, faith, faith is so important. Yeah? Where that in whatever way you couch it, that faith in a Dhamma, everything is Dhamma, we say this is an Ichidukanata, faith in, in, in the Buddha, faith in Ajahn Chah, some way that we can ride through these difficulties. We can bear with the unbearable, because quite often it's unbearable, isn't it? It seems unbearable. And yet, there's something in us which says, I can, no, it's all right. I can take this. I can watch this. I can witness to this. I can investigate this. I can contemplate this. Then, we have a freedom within all conditions. We, you know, whatever condition comes, we know we can be with that. Uh, So the more difficult the condition is, I think the more power the practice gets from it. Because the difficult conditions are the ones that delude, aren't they? The ones that overwhelm us, the ones that confuse us. So faith. Huh? And, and for me, this, these whole, these ten days is very much a manifestation of faith and gratitude. You know, these, these lovely people of Northeast Thailand, all of Thailand, um, the, the, these monks that have done all this work at Wat Lepong, and all of you who have done work here, I mean, this... Um, why do we do this? Why not just do our own thing? Huh? 
Why not just kind of do it my way, do our own thing? Faith is a is a very beautiful quality of heart, isn't it? Devotion. So, so I would suggest that, like, <clears throat> like if you if you find you've got like yesterday, my knees were killing me. I've I've got bad knees. Um, welcome to the club, huh? And and so why don't I just dwell on the, my knees killing me? I could, right? Oh, my knees are killing me. Oh, I wish I could go back to my kuti and really meditate. And, but why, why, do we, why do we not dwell on that? Now you look at the stupa. You contemplate, what, what was this man? And what was the Buddha that made this possible? And what is this situation where thousands of people are sitting silently? Huh? And it's faith, isn't it? Some faith in some, something which is outside of our own egos, outside of our own pettiness, outside of our own childishness. And when we bring faith and devotion, and these trusting heart qualities to mind, we can bear with amazing things. Uh, and, they, and, and, and then the knees aren't such a problem, because we're not fixed on them. Uh-huh. And this, when we don't have something transcendent, something that uplifts us, something that takes us out of our, our, our selfish patterns, then we just tend to dwell on the selfish things, don't we? We tend to dwell on the knees, or we t- tend to dwell on our mistakes, or we tend to dwell, oh, it's too hot here, or... Or whatever, we just tend to dwell on those little things, and we have nothing to uplift us. And yet, you see, you see these people coming to Wild Bapong physically is pretty uncomfortable. A lot of them have come from Bangkok; they live comfortable conditions, and yet their faith is no problem. No, no problem at all. When we lack faith, then what what takes us through the difficulties? <coughs> what allows us to bear with? Uh, Doubt, yeah? fear, yeah? aversion. What what takes us through that? And this is taking refuge, I think, uh, in Buddha Dhamma, Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And and these are always kind of external standards to our own selfishness. Buddha Dhamma Sangha, the reflections on Anicca Dukkha Natta, um, our, our Vinaya, our, our our hierarchy, all of that are ways of getting out of self-centeredness, going beyond that to something which is free. So today, I think, is the third day, is it? Third day of this <coughs> vigil. It was nice to hear that uh, the, the Sangha there wanted us to join in, in the vigil, because it very much is a vigil, isn't it? It's a ten-day vigil of, of, of reflection, of thinking of Long Paul, of thinking of the Buddha, of thinking of, 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 of our commitment to this, and, and inspiring our minds in this way, so that we have the the strength and energy and faith to, to, to do the work. Yeah. Much of the work you, one, that one does is, is, um, is unseen. You know, when I, when I think about the, the things I've had to bear with, and others have had to bear with with me around, um, at the time it, it seems insignificant, or, or it seems hopeless, or whatever. Yeah? But just like bearing with the desire to get away from something, bearing with discomfort or, or, or investigating the feelings of the heart. <clears throat> then over the years, of course, one, one has this, this freedom. One has this freedom to be anywhere, anytime. And, and, and Lone Paul was like that. He could be anywhere, anytime. One of, the, one of the cues I've always taken with Lone Paul was the story when he was walking on Pindapod with Ajahn Sumato and a... Um, skinhead <laughs> came up to him 
not in brown robes, but in brown boots. And uh, there was a Lompo Sumato, Ajahn Kematama and Lompo Cha. And the three of them were walking Pindapad, and the skinhead threatened Lompo, who was going to boot him, um, give him the boot. And uh, <coughs> Ajahn Sumato, uh, from the last time I heard the story, he, he was ready to bop the guy in the head with his arms bow if he touched Lompo. But, but the, the man never really touched him, and they got back to the Vihara, and as they were about to go in, into the Vihara in London, uh, Lompo turned to Ajahn Sumedho and said, oh, they teach very well here. And, and from that, I've always reckoned that Lompo thought, yeah, these, these situations are okay, you can learn from them. And I certainly have had doubts. I've certainly wanted to go into a cave. I've certainly wanted to come to, back to Bungwai. The first two years, I was homesick for Bungwai. Um, but when things are going well, I never have doubts. You know, when everyone likes me, and it's quiet, and there are no difficulties, I think, oh, I'll stay here forever. <laughs> and then when I get a few difficult people, or something happens, the committee fall, has difficulties, and I think, oh, I want to go back to Bungwai. <laughs> so I find, just like taking the situation, taking where one teacher, where one's teacher sent one, and then really working with that, surrendering to that, and then it kind of un un unravels, it un uh, unfolds in a way which is, is, is quite beautiful. So all of us have, you know, have this opportunity with Lone Paul, and uh, as much as possible, I think we, we, really, you know, we really need to support Ajahn, Ajahn Pasano, Ajahn Jai Saro, Tanajan Liam, and the way we can, we can support them is by being there, being quiet, reflecting on this time, bringing forth Lone Paul's teaching, the Buddhist teaching, and expressing a sense of gratitude, because this, you know, this place wouldn't be here without Lumpur Cha and without the Buddha. We wouldn't have this opportunity, whether we like it or not. Um, and to, to bring those, 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 bring the sense of gratitude and faith, bring it up into the mind, make it conscious. We need to make these things conscious, and they're tremendously helpful uh, in your practice. So I'll, I'll leave that for your reflection. <coughs>